At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We eagerly wait with anticipation for the return of Jesus, when He will make everything wrong, right. In a way, He's always reigned over all things, but on the other hand, His saving grace has received pushback and rejection from the evil of this world. Join us in our new series, Thy Kingdom Come, His Reign in Our Lives where we'll learn what the reign of Jesus truly means for us believers and how we, as the body of Christ, can continue spreading his name until he returns. All right, this morning, if you have a Bible electronic device, I want to encourage you to take it out and turn with me to the book of Mark. We're going to be in Mark chapter 4 at the end of the chapter in verse 35 is where we're going to begin today. So Mark chapter 4 beginning in verse 35. This past week I came across a, a study that was a Harvard study that was done in the 1950s. And it ended up being a, a, a brutal study uh, towards animals and all that, so I'm not condoning that, but I think that the study helps us learn something that's really, really interesting and deep just about uh, the way God has, created, um, God has created. And it was a study that was done in the 1950s at Harvard by Dr. Kurt Richter. Now, what he had done in this study is he wanted to see... Um, he wanted to test different rats, and so what he did, he got a collection of like 15 rats and put the rats in oversized beakers, and he filled them with water. And he wanted to see how um, hope and how trust and all those things work out, so he, he placed the rats in the water, and rats are known to be pretty good swimmers. And so he put them in there, and he saw the rats swimming around, and they'd swim down, and they'd, they'd swim around the top, and they, they would get to the point of where they had no way of getting out. And so he noticed, even though they were really good swimmers, that at about 15 minutes of trying to tread water and, and um, not being able to find a way out, that hopelessness set in, and they ended up dying. Now, as sad as that is, he tried the experiment again, but this time he got a different set of rats in the same beakers and knew that they would last about 15 minutes. And so what he did is he put them in there and watched them struggle and watched them swim around. And about the 14-minute mark, right up the 15-minute mark, he went in, scooped them out, and uh, put them on the, the table, dried them all off, and made sure they had a little moments of rest. And then he put them back in the water wanting to see how uh, they would respond to that tragedy or to that tragic experience or that fearful experience in their lives. And so they got back in the water. Do you know how long it took them to swim? How long they treaded water after that? It wasn't five minutes. It wasn't 10 minutes. It wasn't 15 minutes. It wasn't 60 minutes. It was 60 hours. 60 hours. Whereas before... They could only do 15 minutes on their own, but now they were able to swim for 60 hours. The conclusion that was drawn from this study was that since the rats believed that they could eventually, could and would eventually be rescued, they could push their bodies way past what they previously thought was possible. Now I say that not because I want to highlight the, the cruelty of that um, experiment, because it is. But it teaches us an important thing about faith. 
You see, when we can make it through difficult and harsh and scary and fearful things in life, when we believe that someone is going to rescue us, when, there, when you have faith, you can walk through difficult times. When you know there's someone that's there that is able to help you, it keeps you going. It gets you going. But what happens when we go through life and we place our faith in someone or something that doesn't have the ability to rescue us or save us? Well, then that leads to despair. If we're trusting or hoping in something to save us and it doesn't, then it leads us to despair. Today, as we're continuing our series entitled Kingdom Come, what we're going to see from Scripture is that Jesus, the person of Jesus, is able and willing to rescue us and save us. Jesus can be trusted to place our faith in him because he is able to save us. As this, in this series, what we've been trying to do is, is we've trying to, to challenge ourselves to look at the person of Jesus and either accept him as Savior and Lord or reject him. And so as we've been walking through Mark chapter 3 through 5, we've, been, we've seen Jesus step on the scene who begins his earthly ministry and he's teaching about the kingdom of God and he's showing his power over all different things. And today we're going to see his power over creation. And so as we consider Jesus, we know that you can't sit on the fence. You have to decide what you're going to do with Jesus. And today, what we're going to see is how Jesus can be trusted with our fear. Jesus can be trusted with our fear. Maybe you've never heard this before, this before. but the feeling of fear is a gift from God. Did you know that? That feeling fear is not a sin. Having fear is not bad. Having fear is not a sign of weakness. For the feeling of fear pushes us to reach. Right? When you're afraid, it pushes you to reach for something that can give you security. It causes you to reach for something that can give you safety. It causes you to reach for something to give you protection. So fear pushes us to reach for help. In fear, we risk our hearts with our need to trust in someone else for assistance. So fear is actually the recognition of our need. So the feeling of fear that God gives us, the gift of fear, is that it draws us into a deeper relationship with others and it draws us into a, a a deeper relationship with, with God himself. So when we fear, the best person for us to reach for is Jesus. Why? Because as we'll look at scripture today, is that Jesus reigns over creation. What a better person to reach for in those times where we fear, where we fear the unknown, where we're uncertain of what's going on, the best person to reach for is Jesus because he reigns over creation. Now I will say this before we dive into our text. Though the fear, the feeling of fear is a gift, there is a way in which we don't walk in the gift of fear but we can walk in the impairment of fear. And the impairment of fear is anxiety. Right? When you 
in your life, like I said, the, the feeling of fear, when we reach for something and we say, hey, I'm afraid, and we reach for something to give us security, to give us stabilization in the midst of a world, if we reach for something that doesn't have the ability to save us, that causes us to be anxious in, in, in coming days and months. Right? Or if you reach for something that's supposed to give you security and you get rejected from that, that causes us to look inward to ourselves and we're like, I can't trust anybody, I can't trust anything. And we walk then in the impairment of this emotion of fear and it causes us to be anxious. Right? We get anxiety because we don't know the future, we can't trust the future, we can't trust anybody. And the only person we can trust then is ourselves. And that causes us to withdraw. It causes us to get into our head. And it causes us to be consumed by all the what ifs. Right? We play out these scenarios in our mind over and over and over again about the worst case scenario, about everything in our lives. And it's not just one area, but then it becomes all these multiple areas. And we're worried about this and we're worried about this. And what happens if this happens? And what happens if this happens? And you're like, I got to control it. I got to fix it. And you think you can fix it in your mind. And that leads you to be anxious. And you're like, there is no hope. And you get stuck in this cycle over and over and over again. And the reason is is that you reached and what you reached for didn't save you. And so by your experience, you say to yourself, I can't trust anybody. That's a scary place to be. And I'll tell you what, we've just walked through you know, the pandemic of 2020 and all statistics are showing us that anxiety in our culture today is skyrocketed, it's through the roof and people are living anxious lives where they're living out these scenarios of, hey, we've seen it when your government can't provide for you, we've seen when, you can't, when this won't provide for you and this won't provide for you and everything around us seems failing, our health is failing and all of these things that we place our trust in really are not helpful in the days when the storms come. And so we're living in this world where this is a serious problem. And yet Jesus, 2,000 years ago, helps us understand that we can trust in him because he reigns over creation. Let's, let's read the text today and then we'll break it apart. Beginning in Mark chapter uh, 4, verse 35. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the, in the boat, and as, just as he was, and the other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Then they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? What a beautiful picture of the reality of how Jesus steps in and calms the storm. Maybe you're here this morning 
and you're praying to God that you would hear these words over your life. Peace, be still. How many of you need that in your life this morning? I just need, God, I just need peace. Well, the God of the Bible, Jesus himself, is a promise maker and he's a promise keeper. And I want us to walk through this text now and I want us to see what Jesus teaches us about the gift of fear and how it can be used in our lives to bring us closer to Jesus. So first, let's look at how Jesus responds and how Jesus cares for us. Right? First, I want us to see that he remains calm and at peace. What a beautiful thing. Like sometimes we, we interpret Jesus, this fact that Jesus remain calms, it remains calm and is at peace. We, we see this as, or we feel this as though Jesus is distant from us. Right, but let me give you the context of what's happening. So on this day, that's how this passage starts. Remember what has happened this day, right? We begin this day as the religious leaders come to Jesus. They come from Jerusalem to where Jesus is in the area of Galilee, and they come with him with accusations, saying, Jesus, you are not from God, but you are from the devil. And so he has to deal with that. Then he turns to his family, and his family comes in with the accusations that Jesus is crazy. And then after that, Jesus continues to teach about the parables and teach about the kingdom of God. And he gathers his disciples close and he shares with them and teaches them deeper. So Jesus has already had this massively full day of ministry where he hasn't had one second of peace. And he's been going at this amazing pace, at this crazy pace. And then all of a sudden, Jesus says, now that it's evening, he tells his disciples, hey, I've got more work to do on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. So let's get in the boat and let's travel the seven miles to the other side of the sea. And Jesus must be completely spent. So Jesus gets in the boat and where does he go? He goes to the back of the boat with a cushion and he lays down and he rests. Now, let me just put this kind of in context just for a moment. Imagine... Mostly, if you take calculations, the boat that Jesus is in is probably the size of the stage. Okay, it's not a massive boat, but it's a big enough boat for 12 to 13 people to be inside of. And so they're sitting down. It's a fishing boat, so it's not this big barge like we see. But about this size, Jesus goes to the back of the boat. He grabs his pillow, and he's laying there falling asleep. Now, what we need to know about the Sea of Galilee is not really a sea at all. It's actually a lake that's about seven miles wide by 13 miles long. And it sits in a valley that's known uh, for its fishing and calm waters. The Sea of Galilee is supposed to be a calm sea because actually it's, it's under sea level. And it, there's mountainsides on each side. So it sits in a valley and it's, those um, hills usually buffet the wind from it. And the Sea of Galilee doesn't get frequent storms, but it has been known throughout history to be a place of terrible storms. So when the storms come, they can be severe. And when the conditions are right, when the moisture pushes up against those, those mountain range and, or those hills and the, the humidity is just right and all of that, you can get flash floods worse than you can see in Florida. And now what we see here, in this case, Jesus is in the boat with his disciples and there's some other boats that are following him. They're going to the other side of the sea. And in the night, one of these terrible storms come up. 
It says in scripture, it was a great windstorm arose. And this little tiny boat is facing 10 foot waves that are there to, to crash it. And we know that it's a desperate situation because water's coming into the boat. This is an open hauled boat that all it needs is to take on a little bit of water and it's going down. And so these fishermen, the majority of them were fishermen in the boat this time, they know from their experience on the sea that this is a desperate situation. This is not some little tiny like uh, bumpy water where the waves are one to two feet. These are massive waves that are crashing into the boat and their experience tells them if something doesn't happen, they will meet their doom on the sea in this day. So it's about to overwhelm them. They feel that they're surely going to die. They feel fear. They are afraid of what is before them. The storm has come up out of nowhere without expectation. It's now upon them. And now they see the desperateness of the situation. And what do we see Jesus doing? He's sleeping on a cushion. Now, some would see Jesus' posture in this position as Jesus being unconcerned about the disciples. But in reality, there are a few things that this situation shows us about Jesus. First, we are reminded that Jesus is in the storm with his disciples. He's there present with them in the boat. At the time that they're going through the storm, Jesus is not far away, but Jesus is there with them. Second, we see that Jesus has authority over the storm. The storm in this chaos, Jesus doesn't bow to the chaos. The chaos bows to Jesus because he has authority. And while he's able to rest, while everyone else is freaking out because he's the one that has power and authority. Today, we look at Jesus and we read it in, or we sang it in the song before, uh, that Jesus right now is seated on his throne. Right? Jesus is in heaven, seated on a throne. Jesus is not anxiously pacing back and forth saying, Oh, I hope it turns out okay. I hope everything's going to be all right. No, Jesus has already come. He's already done the work to free us from our sins. Jesus has already freed us from our future. Jesus has already freed us from our past. And Jesus is able to sit down because he knows it's all going to happen the way he wants it to happen. So he's able to sit down and rest. Not that Jesus is absent from your life. Jesus is not absent from the storm that you're going through. Jesus is ever present, but Jesus has also already got the victory so he can be seated. Jesus remains calm and relaxed because that which seeks to do harm has been defeated. When I was younger, I was terribly terrified of storms. While most kids during the summertime would be out riding their bikes and playing in the woods and all those things, I was glued to the Weather Channel because I was terrified of storms. And remember the Weather Channel back in the day, it would like flip through and every once in a while it, it would throw up the, the radar, right? I would be glued to that and I would watch it all day long because I was terrified that a storm would come and I wanted to be as close as I could to our basement when the storm came. And one day I was watching the, uh, the weather forecast and they were forecasting a storm that was gonna happen in the middle of the night. And so I told my parents, I'm like, hey mom, dad, can we sleep in the basement tonight? 
Because there's a storm coming and you know, I, I wanna be able to have this, this sense of security. I need to be safe and I don't think it's really safe in my bedroom on the second floor of our house because that's closer to like lightning. And so I said, can we sleep in the basement? My parents were like, no, Jeff, we're not sleeping in the basement. And they said, just go to bed. So I go to bed, it's probably about 11 o'clock and I was so anxious. I couldn't rest because I knew the storm was coming. I knew our house was gonna be destroyed. I knew tornadoes were gonna lift us up and I was gonna wake up in the middle of Oz. I just knew it. So sure enough, 1.30 in the morning, I hadn't slept a wink, the storms come. And the, the thunder is just shaking our house. You can hear the, the wind beating against our windows. And I was afraid. And so I called out for my mom and my dad. I was like, Mom, Dad, I'm afraid. I'm so afraid. And it just at that time, their bedroom was right across the hallway from mine. And so my mom and dad are like, Jeff, just come jump in the bed with us. Come, come jump in the bed. You, you'll be safe. And so I stood at my doorway, their room just right over there, right across the hallway, petrified because I was afraid the second that I was going to step out into that hallway, lightning was going to strike at that very second and I would die. Now, many, some of you are like, Jeff, that's crazy. Like, that's not how this works. Like the likelihood of you being struck by lightning in your house at, at the right moment where you're stepping across, that's crazy. Well, that's what fear can do to us. Right? And so I was deathly afraid. And so literally for 10 minutes, I'm standing there. My parents are like, hey, come on. We got a spot right here. It's nice and warm and comfortable. You can, my mom will be on my left. My dad will be on my right. Just come on, jump in the bed, Jeff. And I'm like, I can't, mom, dad. And they're like, well, we're not coming to grab you. Right? And so finally, I, I took a couple steps back. And I ran and I jumped through the hallway into their bedroom and then up into their bed and they surrounded me with their covers and like, Jeff, you're okay. And we rode out the storm together. Like our fears are legitimate. Like not legitimate in the likelihood of their validity, but the way that they make us feel, right? You can be paralyzed by fear, but that's not how we're supposed to live. Fear is a real emotion that we feel, but we're to bring our fears to the Lord. I trusted in that moment. I reached for my parents, and guess what? They comforted me. Maybe there's been a time in your life where you've reached and you've been rejected. Can you feel that? Do you feel that rejection right now? Like when we reach, there's no greater pain than to reach and be rejected. Or you've reached for in fear and what you thought was powerful enough to comfort you and to provide protection for you, you've reached and it wasn't sufficient. And that caused you to turn inward with all of the unknowns in your mind where you tried to fix it and you try to figure it out on your own because you're like, I can't trust nobody. I can't trust anything. And so all I've got is myself. When you're living in that place where you've reached and you've been rejected or you've reached and haven't been made felt secure, it causes us to live in anxiety. Are you in the midst of a storm right now 
where the waves are hitting you on all sides, the first thing that you need to do is admit that you are powerless to fix it. That's the first place you go. Whether you have storms because of your family, whether you have storms in your life because of health, or you have storms in your life because of financial, or maybe you've got all of them bombarding at the same time. First, you have to admit that you are powerless to fix it. You can't calm the storm. Right, go out on Lake Michigan in the middle of the storm and you're like, hey storm, peace, be still. The storm's gonna laugh in your face because you have no ability to actually fix it. You have no power to fix it. So we admit first that we are afraid, like call out our fear. I am afraid of the future. I am afraid of financial ruin. I am afraid that people in my life are going to leave me. We call out and name what we are afraid of. Because it has to have a name. And then once we identify our fear, what it is that we are afraid of, we admit that we're powerless, we, we call out our fear, and then we reach for Jesus. We reach for him. See, Jesus, even though we're all worked up, Jesus is not anxious about your situations. Remember, Jesus is seated on the throne, but he offers us peace. He offers us his calm. He offers us his hand. He offers us his voice. He offers us his presence. And he simply says, trust me, follow me. I know what I'm doing is what he tells us. So trust in him. Second, How does Jesus help us as we walk through seasons of fear? We see second, that he speaks with authority. Look with me in the second part of verse 38. And it says, and then he woke and he said, and they said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. You see, the disciples in the boat are frantic. They wake up Jesus in their own sarcastic way, and they're basically saying, Jesus, don't you care about us? Like, Jesus, we've seen you heal people. We've seen you cast out demons. You talk about this kingdom of God, and you brought us all the way out to the sea just so we'll die. This doesn't make sense. What are you doing? Don't you even care? As you walk through your own storms, as you walk through the difficulties of life, how many times has that been your response to Jesus? Jesus, don't you see? Jesus, don't you care? And I want you to see that is a proper response. That's a proper response. Because here, as the disciples do that to Jesus, Jesus doesn't condemn them. Jesus doesn't scold them. But in their fear, where did they take their fear? They reach for Jesus. And in their own fear, in their their own inability to fix the situation, they're like, Jesus, don't you care? And Jesus is like, yeah, I care. Just watch. I'm about to do something. Like, sit back. Because I'm about to do something for you. Bring our fears to Jesus. Jesus doesn't condemn. Jesus doesn't scold. Instead, Jesus allows us to see the purpose of fear is so that we recognize danger and we call to the right person for help. Who has the power to bring peace? Jesus. 
Their greatest need was they needed to be protected. They needed help. They needed to be saved from the storm. And Jesus has authority over creation and makes the chaos calm. By his very words, he says, peace be still. And immediately, calm comes. Don't don't miss what this means. Right? You and I are created beings. We are part of creation. And that means that Jesus reigns over us. He has authority over all things. You may be asking yourself in this situation, okay, if Jesus is like reigning over all creation, if Jesus has power and authority of all things, then why does he bring the storm? Have you ever thought that? Why does he bring the storm? Well, there's purpose in the storm. The storms come so that you and I would be reminded of our need. So that you and I would be reminded that we're not self-sufficient, that we're not self-reliant. The storms come so that we would be, understand our limitedness in our strength and power. That we would see the limits of our, even our own authority. Storms come so that we would reach for Jesus. So that we would physically spiritually see Jesus step in in the midst of our weakness and protect us. And I love reading through the Psalms. As you read through the different authors as they're writing these beautiful things of of worship songs and poetry, there's so many images in the Psalms of God's protection and God as our, our protector. God is our mighty rock. He is our fortress. He is our present help. He hides us under his wings. He places us on solid ground. Those are just a few of the images of we see of God through the book of Psalms. God is mighty to save. He is our stronghold. And when we bow and reach for Jesus, in our need, he provides for us And we get to experience, now listen to this, we get to experience the gift of fear. The gift of fear is faith and wisdom. Right? The impairment of it is anxiety, but the gift is faith and wisdom. And that's what we see in the continuing part of this passage. So the third thing we see about Jesus is that he challenges us to live fearless faith. Look with me in verse 40. And Jesus said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? When faced with the storm, the disciples were afraid and they struggled with their faith in Jesus. They didn't really know yet because again, remember what Jesus is doing. He's not coming to establish an earthly kingdom of warriors, but he's coming to establish his kingdom in the hearts of people. And he wants his people to believe that he is God, that he wants his people to put their full trust and faith in him alone. And so he's doing this with his disciples. He's, he wants to know what is the object of their faith. He says, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The fear that they felt caused them the question. And Jesus shows them over and over and over again that he has authority and he has power to provide. If they were going to be followers of him, they needed to decide if they could trust him. 
And so the disciples feel fear because of the situation. They reach for Jesus. Jesus takes their fear, and he returns to them the gift of fear, faith. You can trust in him. He is powerful enough to step in and save. Then Jesus also gives them the second gift, which is wisdom. Now, their whole life of experience that's bled up to that point, all the experiences that they've had, that they say, okay, this is how it's supposed to work in this situation. This is how it's supposed to work in this situation. Like before they had, they knew because of their background that when a storm comes upon the sea like this, people die. But now they have new wisdom. Because when storms come like this, you turn to Jesus and guess what? He's gonna calm the storm. Now they have new parts of wisdom to add to their experience. Jesus does save. It doesn't always end in death when Jesus is involved. And so you see the gift of faith and the gift of wisdom coming together because Jesus has the power to save. He has the power to calm the storm. You know, there's a common misconception about the Bible in which people believe that God condemns fear or that it's a sin to feel fear. Well, I want you to know that's not true As I've already explained, the feelings of fear draw us to him because it highlights our need. But then we go to passages like 1 John 4.18. This is one that people come to and they're like, see, God condemns fear. 1 John 4.18 says this, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Now, some people say that as love driving out fear. What the context of that passage is that we don't have to have fear in the day of atonement before God. We don't have to be afraid that we will be rejected. Right? That's what he's talking about in that context. You don't have to be afraid. If you're a child of God and you've given your heart and life to, to Christ, then on the day of judgment, on the day when you stand before the Lord, there is no fear. Because perfect love casts out fear because you don't have to be afraid of being rejected. You've already been accepted as a child of God. So you have love, you have confidence, you have freedom, and you have security because we know in the end, as a child of God, at the very end, you won't be rejected. Man, what powerful promises that we have. You may be here today and the storms of life are swirling all around you. Maybe today you are walking in the crushingness of anxiety. Let me encourage you today. Take that anxiety. Take those fears one by one. Not, don't bring the whole big mess of it all. Right? Don't, don't come with your, your big old ball of, of fear and like drop it at Jesus' feet and you're like, fix it. Instead, like take them one by one. Right, take them one by one. Start with, I know you make a list of all the things that you're afraid of. Right, I'm afraid of the future. I'm afraid of my finances. I'm, I'm afraid that my kids are going to grow up and be absolute failures or they're going to turn in their faith or whatever your fears are. Like make a list of your fears. And then when you start to feel those fears, bring them to Jesus and say, Jesus, remind me of your promises. Remind me of your promises. Remind me of your promises. And allow him to bring the calm in the midst of your storm. Man, maybe you're here today and you've never come to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Trust 
the Jesus that was in the boat with his disciples. He's powerful enough over all of creation. And Jesus has already done the work to provide forgiveness in your life because he went to a cross and paid the penalty for your sin and your rebellion. So trust in him to be the forgiver of your sins, but also trust him with the future of your life. Maybe you're here and you are a follower of Christ and you're in the midst of the storm. If you're in the midst of the storm, remember, you're not alone. He's there with you, and he has power and authority over the storm that you're facing. Or maybe you just got out of a storm. Like maybe you're here today, and you're like, oh. Like today is a sigh of relief. Take time this morning just to thank the Lord for his security, for his blessing, and for his journey bringing you out of the storm. Or maybe you're here and you're getting ready to go into the storm. You have no idea what lies ahead of you. And today you're like, you're at a place of peace. You're like, I haven't had a storm in a while. Well, guess what? A storm's coming. As sure as day follows night. Our lives are not lives of, of pure peacefulness, but we're on this journey until God calls us home. So if you're not in a storm right now, realize one's getting ready to come. So be prepared. Like don't, sh- don't let it shock you when it comes. But instead, remember, you can go to Jesus. Wisdom shows us that he's done it before and he'll do it again. How many of you have that testimony this morning? He's done it before, he'll do it again. Maybe that's just what you've got to hold on today. He's done it before, he'll do it again. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the promises that we see in your word today. Father, I'm thankful that you are the one that has all the power and all authority. Thank you, God, for making me limited. Thank you, God, for not allowing me to be God. For God, we, if we were given that responsibility, we would all mess it up. So God, today, thank you that we can rest in you. Father, I'm aware that even in this moment right now, there are some in this place that may be so full of anxiety. And maybe that's because in the past, somewhere, they reached for someone and it wasn't enough. Father, I pray today that you would bring healing in that situation. Father, that you'd step in right now and allow that person to know that they can trust in you and that in the midst of their fear, that right now that they would grab hold of you with all that they are and all that they have. And Father, in that, when they reach, Father, I pray that you would bring the peace and you would bring the calm to the storm that's in their life. Father, for each one of us here today, Father, as we sing this last song, may it just be our resolve to trust in you. May you help us live lives of faith in the midst of our fear. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.